0: Section forty one of the Cambridge Modern History. Volume two. The Reformation. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Anderson. Chapter twelve. The Catholic South by the Reverend W. E. Collins. Part two. Ercole's other capital, Modena, was equally famous as a center of learning many of the scholars of the modernese academy had long been suspected of heterodoxy among them being lodovico castelvetro gabriel falapio the anatomist and the brothers Grianzoni, who were its founders in advent fifteen thirty seven an austin friar serafino ferrara denounced an anonymous book the sommario della santa scriptura which was being sold in modena by the bookseller antonio Galbodino. but his action only called forth protests in fifteen forty arrived the learned Paolo Ricci, a conventional franciscan who had left the cloister and now under the assumed name of Licio fileno publicly expounded the scriptures and denounced the papacy thus the new opinions gained ground the analyst tassoni il vecchio declares that both men and women disputed everywhere in the squares in the shops in the churches concerning the faith and the law of christ quoting and misquoting the scriptures and doctors whom they had never read attempts were soon made to put a stop to this the samario was refuted by ambrosio Caterino and burned at rome in 1539. two years afterwards ricci was arrested taken to ferrara and made to recant other measures were for a time averted by the intercession of sadoletto himself a modernese he urged that the academicians were loyal to the roman church and should not be molested because they claimed for the learned the right of free inquiry the pope however was still suspicious and giovanni de morone the bishop of modena then absent on a legation in germany and himself a friend of Contarini and to the doctrines of grace was sent for to reduce this second geneva to order it was proposed that suspected persons should sign a formulary of faith drawn up by Contarini in the plainest possible terms after strenuous resistance the signatures were secured and the matter seemed at an end but a strong feeling of resentment had sprung up the academy was still a hotbed of disaffection and preachers of doubtful orthodoxy such as bartolomeo della pergola were eagerly listened to at length ercole was goaded into taking action throughout his dominions a ducal edict of may twenty fourth fifteen forty six was so severe in its provisions that the maudanese academy promptly dispersed and in 1548, Fra Girolamo Pepino of Lodi was installed as inquisitor at Ferrara. A poor youth of Faenza, by name Fenio, or Fenino, was soon brought before him, who had fallen into heresy through his perverse interpretation of the Bible. He recanted once through fear, but relapsed, and began preaching throughout Romagna with great success. At length, he was arrested at Bagna Caveo and conveyed to Ferrara. Here, his imprisonment was a succession of triumphs. His friends were allowed access to him, and his visitors included Olympia Morata, Lavinia della Rovere, and others upon whom his cheerfulness and earnestness, and his bold predictions made a great impression. After long negotiations between Ferrara and the Holy See, in which Reni herself took part, the order arrived for his execution as a relapsed heretic. It was confirmed by Ercole, and on August twenty second, fifteen fifty, he was strangled and his body cast into the river his was the second recorded death for religion in italy the first being that of jaime de Anzinas a spanish lutheran and according to buzzo an eager disseminator of lutheranism who was burned at rome on march sixteenth fifteen forty seven another execution followed in fifteen fifty one that of a sicilian priest Domenico giorgio who was described as a lutheran and heretic minor punishments followed in great numbers so that Reni was forced to send her huguenot followers to mirandola where under the count galeotto pico they found a place of refuge some years afterwards attention was again called to modena where the reform still prospered on october first fifteen fifty five a brief of paul the fourth demanded that four of the leaders bonifacio and filippo valentino the former whom was provost of the cathedral lodovico castrovetro who had translated the writings of melanchthon into italian and the bookseller galbaudino should be arrested and handed over to the holy office filippo valentino and castelvetro warned in time made their escape the others were taken and conveyed to rome where bonifacio recanted but Galbaldino on refusing to do so was condemned to perpetual imprisonment four years later castelvetro already condemned for contumacy was persuaded to go to rome with his brother Gia Maria, and stand his trial but he fled before it was over was again condemned and was burned in effigy as a contumacious heretic the two brothers escaped to chiavena where lodovico died in fifteen seventy one having in fifteen sixty one appealed in vain for a hearing before the council of trent even this was not the end of heresy in the duchy the registers of the inquisition contain long lists of suspects and not a few condemnations both at ferrara and modena at modena indeed in fifteen sixty eight alone thirteen men and one woman perished at the stake very different again was the movement at naples at any rate in its earlier stages it centres round one great man juan de valdez whose position is thus described by niccolo balbini minister of the congregation of italian refugees at geneva in his life of galeazzo there was at that time in naples a spanish gentleman who having a certain knowledge of evangelical truth and above all of the doctrine of justification had begun to draw to the new doctrines certain noble-born persons with whom he conversed refuting the idea of justification by our own deserving and of the merit of works and exposing certain superstitions he adds that the disciples of valdez did not cease to frequent the churches to resort to mass like other people and to share in the current idolatry this however gives no idea of his real greatness valdez was at once a devout mystic and a born teacher and having settled in naples he at once became the leading spirit and the oracle of a wide circle of devout and cultured men and women who submitted themselves wholly to his teaching and guidance Born of a noble family at Cuenca in New Castile, circa fifteen hundred, where his father Ferrando was Corregidor, he and his twin brother Alfonso had been educated for the public service. Both were early drawn into sympathy with the protest against abuses, but whilst Alfonso died an erasmista, Juan advanced far beyond this. Alfonso entered the service of the Emperor and though an indifferent Latinist gradually rose to be first secretary. In this capacity he was responsible for several imperial letters which urged the necessity of reform in no gentle terms but these are not our only index to his opinions he was a close friend of erasmus and a student of his writings and after the sack of rome in fifteen twenty seven he put forth a dialogue between lactantio an imperial courtier and a certain archdeacon in which he vindicates the emperor and declares the catastrophe to be a judgment upon the sins of the papacy allows that luther had fallen into many heresies but very pertinently says that if they had remedied the things of which he justly complained instead of excommunicating him he would never have so lapsed he calls for his speedy reformation that it may be proclaimed to the end of the world how jesus christ built the church and the emperor charles v restored it alfonso follows in the footsteps of erasmus and the reader of the colloquia will find little that is new here unless it be that alfonso is as a contemporary said more erasmian than erasmus himself he was at once attacked but found many defenders and charles himself declared that though he had not read the book valdez was a good christian who would not write heresies accordingly he was not molested and ended his life in the emperor's service early in october fifteen thirty two little is known of juan's early life excepting that he was for ten years about the court apparently under his brother towards the end of this period and just after the Dialogo de Lactancio was finished Juan produced a similar work the Dialogo de Mercurio y Caron in which Mercury and Charon are made to confer with the souls of the departed as to their religious life and the affairs of the world they have just left it really consists of two distinct dialogues differing in style and substance one being mainly political showing signs of Alfonso's cooperation and the other mainly religious although in doctrine it does not go beyond a condemnation of prayers to the virgin but they were joined in one and published with the lactantio in fifteen twenty nine we next hear of juan in fifteen thirty at rome where he presently became a papal chamberlain under clement the seventh by whom according to carnesecchi he was much beloved he was at bologna with the pope in january 1533 but soon afterwards removed to naples where he remained excepting for one visit to rome till his death in 1541 at naples he gave himself up to study to religious meditation and to the society of his friends between april 1534 and september 1536 he produced his dialogo de la lengua a valuable study of the spanish tongue and one of the most beautiful writings of its day during the next few years he wrote and circulated amongst his friends in manuscript his cx consideraciones subsequently translated into english by nicholas ferrar his catechism La Spirituale*, a large number of short treatises and commentaries and translations of parts of the bible from the original languages his doctrine as contained in these works is certainly not distinctly lutheran or calvinist but that of one whose thoughts turned ever inward rather than outward a devout evangelical mystic who recommended frequent confession and communion and had no desire to overturn the ordinances of the church his disciples were won by himself rather than by his doctrines and even the element of his teaching which others seized upon most eagerly justification by faith only was not to him what it was to the lutheran the cornerstone of his whole system to him it was the expression of the fact that only by self-abnegation could men receive the divine illumination and thus conform to the image of god in which they were made and the tract by means of which this doctrine was most widely diffused in italy the famous beneficio della morte di cristo which has been called the credo of the italian reformed was not the work of aldez himself but of a disciple the benedictine monk benedetto of mantua who wrote it in his monastery at the foot of mount etna and at whose request marcantonio flaminio revised it and improved the style it began to be spread broadcast in italy about fifteen forty at first in manuscript and then in print and made a deep impression wherever it went the personal influence of valdez was very great both amongst those who had known him at the court of clement the seventh and those who now saw him for the first time in his unprinted life of paul the fourth written early in the seventeenth century antonio curaccio reckons the number of valdez's adherents at over three thousand of whom many were leading men this is doubtless only a guess but the number was certainly large and since at this very time in fifteen thirty six an edict had gone forth in naples forbidding all commerce with heretics on pain of death and confiscation it is clear that the many persons of importance in church and state who took part in his conferences had no idea that their action came under this ban many and especially the theatines regarded him with suspicion but that was all he and his two chief adherents bernardino Cino and pietro mattire vermile are styled by antonio caraccio the satanic triumvirate with them were mark antonio flaminio pietro carnesecchi Galazio caraccio nephew of pope paul the fourth benedetto Cusano, Marcantonio Magno, Giovanni Molio, the Franciscan, Jacopo Bonifidio, the historian, burned at Genoa but probably not for heresy in 1550, Vittorio Soranzo, afterwards bishop of Bergamo, and Latanzio Ragnone of Siena, all of whom were subsequently regarded as heretics. There were also Pietro Antonio di Capua, archbishop of Otranto, who attended Valdez on his deathbed and always held him in great reverence. The archbishops of Sorrento and Reggio, the bishops of catania nola policastro and la cava giovanni Tommaso san felice imprisoned by paul the fourth for over two years on suspicion of heresy and giambattista folengo a learned monk of monte cassino with them too were the most noble and respected ladies of naples vittoria colonna marchioness of pescara her kinswoman constanza de avalos duchess of amalfi isabella manrique of brisenia sister-in-law to the spanish inquisitor-general of that name above all julia gonzaga duchess of Trieto, and countess of fondi in her own right on the death of her husband she had retired to fondi where the fame of her beauty was such that the corsair heyed and barbarossa attempted to kidnap her for the sultan she had now taken up her abode in the convent of san francesco at naples and was much respected for her strict and pious life she submitted herself entirely to the guidance of valdez and several of his treatises were written for her benefit after his death most of his followers dispersed and not a few of them were afterwards proceeded against in other parts of italy those who still remained were led according to a contemporary writer by a triumvirate consisting of donna julia a benedictine monk named Germano mindua and a spaniard sigmus mundo mifos who was director of the hospital for incurables some presently abandoned the roman communion Caracciolo, for example visited germany in the emperor's service and learned that it was not enough to accept justification but that he must forsake idolatry also failing to induce even his own family to accompany him he went alone to geneva in march fifteen fifty one where he was well received by calvin as was latanzio ragnone who followed two days later he ventured into italy more than once and many efforts were made especially after his uncle became pope to recall him but they all failed and he died at geneva in fifteen eighty six isabella brusenna also fled first to zurich then to chiavagna some again seem to have abandoned their views owing to the preaching of the jesuit alfonso salmeron in fifteen fifty three and the following years and some as the austin friar francesco romano recanted under pressure others still remained staunch under the leadership of giulia who assisted with her means those who fled, but refused to fly herself. Several were proceeded against and put to death, and at length, in March 1564, Gian Francesco di Cassette and Giovanni Bernardino di Aversa were beheaded and burned in the marketplace. It is probable that only the death of Pius IV in December 1565 saved Julia herself from a like fate. As it was, she remained in the convent till her death on April 19, 1566. With her, the party came to an end meanwhile however it had spread elsewhere between fifteen forty one and fifteen seventy six there are over forty trials for lutheranism in the records which still survive of the sicilian inquisition about half of the culprits who include not a few parish priests and religious being put to death other heresies had arisen also the records speak for instance of sacramentaries anabaptists anti-trinitarians and those who disbelieved in a future life lucca was the only other place where the movement assumed a really popular form and here it centers round one man pietro mattire vermini born of well-to-do parents at florence in fifteen hundred had joined the austin canons at faisole in fifteen sixteen and learned from them to know his bible well he studied greek and hebrew at padua and elsewhere and being appointed to preach was soon well known throughout italy high honors fell to him he became abbot of spoleto and then prior of the great house of san pietro and arum at naples and visitor-general of his order here he came into contact with valdez began to read the writings of busso and others and lectured on the first epistle to the corinthians he was accused of heresy and for a time forbidden to preach but the prohibition was removed by the pope at the instance of cantorini pole and other friends in fifteen forty one he left naples and became prior of san frediano at lucca this was his opportunity for the prior had quasi episcopal rights over half the city he gathered about him a body of like-minded scholars and with them set up a scheme of study which was shared by many of the chief citizens and nobles he himself expounded st paul's epistles and the psalms latin was taught by paolo lichese of verona a canon of the lateran and afterwards from Mili's colleague at strasburg greek by count massimiliano celso martinengo also a canon of the lateran and subsequently pastor of the italian congregation at geneva and hebrew by emanuel tremelli of ferrara a jew converted by pole and flaminio who afterwards came to england with them also were francesco robertallo and Celio secondo Corione, public professors of letters and girolamo zanchi afterwards professor of theology at strasburg vermily himself preached every sunday to congregations which grew continually and no small part of the city listened readily when he told them to regard the eucharist as a mere remembrance of the passion this soon became known beyond the walls of lucca vermily was summoned to the chapter of his order at genoa and the magistrates of lucca received a papal injunction to arrest all heretical teachers and send them to rome an austin friar was taken released by the nobles and recaptured and vermily never a man of much courage resolved on flight in august fifteen forty two he set out for pisa with two companions and in that city with certain noble persons he celebrated the supper of the lord with the christian rite thence he wrote to pole and to the people of lucca giving as reasons for his flight the errors and abuses of the pontifical religion and the hatred of his enemies after which he went to switzerland by way of bologna and ferrara and on to strasburg he subsequently came to england and was made professor of divinity at oxford but returned to Strasbourg in fifteen fifty three and died at zurich in fifteen sixty two it appears that no fewer than eighteen cannons of his house left Lucca within a year and escaped beyond the alps but although the shepherds had fled the flock did not at once melt away they were in a measure supported by the senate which took measures at length to stamp out the heresy but only under pressure and as an alternative to the setting up of the roman inquisition in fifteen forty five the senate issued an edict against the rash persons of both sexes who without any knowledge of holy scripture or the sacred canons dared to discuss things concerning the christian faith as though they were great theologians and by fifteen fifty one the last lucchese reformers were compelled to fly we now turn to leaders of the movement who were not connected with any particular centre one who is even better known fled at the same time with Fermili, namely bernardino occhino of siena when young he had joined the friars observant and rose to be the provincial but in fifteen thirty four he left them for the capuchins a stricter body founded some six years before by whom in fifteen thirty eight he was chosen vicar-general meanwhile he had begun to preach was appointed an apostolic missionary and was soon recognized as the foremost preacher of the day his extant sermons hardly account for his fame but preaching was at a low ebb and the strictness of his life added greatly to the effect of his fiery eloquence at naples he became a follower of valdez as did others of his order including as he afterwards said most of the preachers at florence he visited caterina and his conversations with her put into the shape of sette dialoghi in fifteen thirty nine afford clear evidence that he had already rejected much of the current theology so far however he cannot have incurred serious suspicion for although his preaching was impugned in naples in fifteen thirty six and fifteen thirty nine he was re-elected vicar-general in fifteen forty one the following year came the catastrophe he was twice cited before the nuncio at venice for his sermons and the second time he was forbidden to preach any more and went to verona whilst living there in frequent intercourse with the venerable bishop giberti he received a citation to appear before the newly founded roman inquisition he set out in august and on his way through bologna paid a visit to Cantorini, who lay dying there the accounts of their interview differ but Ocino gathered that if he went to rome he would be forced to deny christ or be crucified at florence he met vermilli and resolved forthwith to fly to throw in his lot with the swiss reformers and to disseminate his doctrine by his pen he reached geneva being then at the age of fifty-five passing afterwards to zurich augsburg england and back to zurich but his restless mind could not easily find satisfaction before long the swiss expelled him because of his views on marriage and he began to turn to the party amongst his compatriots which had abandoned not only the historic system but the historic faith of the church as early as september fifteen fifty a secret anabaptist meeting had been held at venice attended by sixty deputies which had rejected the divinity of christ many who shared these views had taken refuge amongst the swiss Including Giorgio Blondrata, formerly physician to Sigismund I of Poland, Niccolò Gallo, Giovanni Paolo Alciati, Matteo gribaldi and Valentino Gentili, all of whom fled to Geneva, and Lelio Sozini, who went to Basel in 1547 and lived there unsuspected till his death in 1562 calvin at length grew suspicious and on may eighteenth fifteen fifty eight put forth a confession of faith to be signed by all the members of the italian congregation as a test of orthodoxy gribaldi managed to clear himself blondrada and alciati finding themselves unable to do so fled to poland gallo and gentile signed but afterwards retracted and were proceeded against for heresy the last-named was ultimately beheaded at Bern in fifteen fifty six as a perjured heretic after fifteen fifty eight poland and transylvania became the headquarters of this extreme school which remained the prey of vague and mutually contradictory theories arian and anabaptist until fausto Sozini, fifteen thirty nine to sixteen o four the nephew of lelio came to transylvania fifteen seventy eight and little by little organized a definite unitarian church the doctrinal manual of which was the Racovian catechism to this party in its earlier stages ochino had made approaches in his dialogi published in fifteen sixty three in poland but even the polish anti-trinitarians thought him unsound and he died in fifteen sixty four forsaken and alone at schlackau in morovia ochino's flight made a great sensation to Carafa. it suggested the fall of lucifer some attributed it to disappointed ambition some to a sudden temptation vittoria colonia hitherto a frequent correspondent broke with him entirely but caterina cibo in whose house he had renounced the cowl appears to have corresponded with him still in the records of the roman inquisition she figures as doctrii moniiliam Carum. the nuns being those of st martha outside florence but she does not seem to have been proceeded against and died at florence in fifteen fifty five another man of mark who left the roman communion was pier Paolo vergerio of capo di Istria. he had been a lawyer in venice entered the service of the nuncio at the instance of his brother aurelio who was secretary to clement the and soon rose to importance he went to rome early in fifteen thirty three and was sent as nuncio to ferdinand of austria two years later he went to invite the german princess to the council of mantua and had a memorable interview with luther whom he describes with characteristic bitterness in fifteen thirty six he received the bishopric of Modrusque, exchanged soon after for that of capo d'istria di all the orders being conferred upon him in one day by his brother giampatista bishop of pola who at the time of his death was suspected of heresy and not without reason Pier paolo was still a restless and energetic papal agent distrusted by many and scheming both for practical reform and for his own aggrandizement in time a change came over him during a mission to france he met and was profoundly impressed by margaret of navarre passing into germany he consorted much with Melanchthon and others at the diet of worms fifteen forty he made an oration de unitate et pese ecclesiae in which he urged the necessity for a general council for the reform of the church he allowed that there were grave abuses in the church but not that there were any reason for secession he pointed to the quarrels amongst the reformed and urged them to return to the body of christ who is our consolation and our peace his survey of the facts is somewhat superficial but a new tone of charity and earnestness runs through it he returned to capo d'Istria di to take care of the little vineyard which god had committed to him he visited diligently preached evangelical doctrine and reformed practical abuses he read heretical books in order to confute them but they only raised doubts in his own mind suspicion arose on all sides late in fifteen forty four the monks of his diocese irritated by his strictness accused him to the venetian inquisition which began a process against him. It was still continuing when the Council of Trent was opened. In February, 1546, he went to the Council, and offered his defense. But, although the Cardinal of Mantua warned them not to drive a good bishop to desperation, they would not hear him, or allow him to take his seat, and forbade his return to his diocese. Then he asked for a canonical trial from his fellow bishops, but in vain. After this, he lost all heart the last straw was the case of francesco spiera a lawyer of Cittadella, whose story was long remembered amongst the reformed he had incurred suspicion by associating with Speziale and translating the lord's prayer into italian being cited by the inquisition in fifteen forty eight he abjured from fear and repeated his abjuration the following sunday at Cittadella against his conscience presently he fell grievously ill and lay for months under the conviction that he had committed the unpardonable sin by his apostasy in vain his friends spoke of god's mercy he met their exhortations with hopelessness which was the more terrible because it was so calm though broken occasionally by paroxysms of frenzy from the investigation made by the inquisition after his death it seems likely that some rays of hope dawned upon him towards the end but this was unknown to many who came to see him and awe and consternation prevailed against them to vergerio who watched often at his bedside the warning seemed to be one which he dared not neglect he resolved to secede at once and on december thirteenth fifteen forty eight he sent his resolve with an account of the dying spiera to rhoda the bishop suffragan of padua his deposition and excommunication followed on july third fifteen forty nine he fled to the Grecians, and for a time worked at poschiavo in fifteen fifty three he passed to wurttemberg where he remained till his death he translated parts of the bible into slavonic and wrote fiery tracts against the papacy but to all he appeared a schemer and a disappointed man calvin speaks of him as a restless busybody and Jewel calls him a crafty knave we return now to those who sympathized more or less with the new views but did not separate from the church they were of very different types some like michelangelo Buonarroti, were simply men of that evangelical spirit which easily comes under suspicion when undue stress is being laid on externals others like falapio were bold thinkers who overstepped the limits of medievalism. others like giangiorio tricino a fugitive for seventeen years who died in the prisons of the inquisition directed their satire against the papacy only Others really adopted the reform views, like the satiric poet Francesco Berni, whose Orlando in Amorato appears to have been manipulated after his death to disguise the Lutheran flavor. A better representative of these last is Antonio paliario of Veroli, a man of querulous temper but devoutly Christian life, at once a humanist and a doctrinal reformer so early as fifteen forty two he was accused of heresy at siena partly owing to a dispute with a preacher at cole partly on account of his book della piena socenza e Satisfazioni della passione di cristo but he had friends and the trial was stopped without his having to read an oration which he had prepared in his own defence he continued to write boldly and to correspond with the german and swiss reformers in fifteen forty two or fifteen forty three he enfolded to them an extraordinary plan for a council to settle the religious disputes of the day all the princes of europe were to choose holy men entirely free from the suspicion of papal corruption to the number of six or seven from each country and these men having been consecrated for the purpose by twelve bishops chosen out of their whole number by the pope and the hierarchy on account of their holiness of life were to act as arbiters and umpires after hearing the matters in dispute fully discussed in a perfectly free assembly, Ballerio became professor of Bell's letters at Lucca in fifteen forty six on the nomination of Satoletto and Bembo, and in fifteen fifty five he went to fill a like office at Milan. Here he was twice proceeded against in fifteen fifty nine, unsuccessfully in the matter of purgatory, on the accusation of his former opponent and again in fifteen sixty seven when the trial was interrupted by a summons to appear at rome before the holy office itself he pleaded his age but ultimately went and stood his trial his answers on many points were unsatisfactory but the real ground of his condemnation was his steady assertion that it was unlawful for the pope to kill heretics and that so doing he could not be the vicar of christ he was called upon to make a set abjuration but refused june fourteenth fifteen seventy he was condemned as impenitent in the presence of the pope himself june thirtieth and on july third he was strangled and burnt in the piazza del castello the records of the Misericordia say that he died penitent it is probable that this refers to a general statement of penitence by means of which with the connivance of the authorities the punishment of burning alive was frequently avoided in any case anio died a martyr not so much for his particular opinions as in the cause of liberty of thought itself another who paid the last penalty was pietro canesecchi born in fifteen o eight of a noble florentine family he was educated in the house of cardinal delvizzi at rome and entered the papal service under clement the seventh he became protonotary apostolic receiving also many rich benefices and a promise of the cardinalate. so great indeed was his influence that it used to be said that he was pope rather than clement but the death of his master removed him from a post which was not really congenial and he retired into secular life a visit to julia gonzaga in fifteen forty brought him into contact again with valdez whom he had known at the papal court he now took him as his spiritual teacher and ever afterwards regarded this as the crisis of his life from this point his history is recorded in the details of the process instituted against him by the roman inquisition after some years of reading heretical books and conferring with heretics at venice he was cited to rome fifteen forty six and put on his trial for heresy he denied everything and fraudulently extorted absolution from the pope after a visit to france where he met many of the reformers he returned to venice fifteen fifty two circa and there published some of the works of Valdez in fifteen fifty seven A new process was commenced against him. He hid himself, and sentence was pronounced upon him as a refractory heretic. Even this was not final on the death of paul the fourth fifteen fifty nine The people joyously broke open the prisons of the Inquisition, destroyed the records, and suffered the prisoners seventy-two heresiarchs, or rather infernal fiends says antonio carasciolo to escape Carnesecchi saw his chance and seized it his sovereign duke cosimo i whom he had served as an envoy and counsellor of state took his part the charges against him were no longer in existence the new pope was anxious to relax the severity of his predecessor and thus in may fifteen sixty one he was declared innocent after this he resided at rome at naples at florence always in correspondence with heretics and for a time with a strong calvinistic bias the later his sympathies were lutheran the accession of the stern old inquisitor gislieri as pope pius v again brought carnessechi into danger cosimo consented to give him up being rewarded two years afterwards with the title of grand duke and on july 4, sixty six he was imprisoned in rome the trial was a lengthy one he fought hard for his life Endeavoring, as was his wont, to resist force by cunning. But it could have only one end. On September 21, 1567, he was handed over to the secular arm, and on October 21, with Friar Giulio Maresio, he was beheaded and burnt. End of section 41.